The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking to Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud there came a voice, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the son of man had risen from the dead, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I've said it before, but I don't like suspense. Some people do like suspense. I don't. I never have. In fact, I'm one of those people, if I'm reading a mystery or something that's going to be kind of creepy, I go to the end and read the ending and then go back and consume the book. And if I didn't do that and it got too bad in the middle, I would just shut it and never finish the story. Not long ago, my son and I were binge watching one of these television programs about serial killers. And it just about did me in. You know, as soon as the creepy music starts playing and you get that odd feeling that something bad is about to happen, I have to throw a blanket over my head and clamp my hands over my ears and try to tune it all out or leave the room entirely. But the problem with my avoidance strategy is, well, then, of course, I don't know when the bad part's over and it's safe to come back. You may be rolling your eyes. Maybe you think that's a little bit pitiful, but what if the story is your own life? A few years ago, I saw an interview on NPR. It was about a, a photojournalist, a woman who had been held hostage along with a group of other journalists out in the Middle East. She was describing in this interview her terror at having a gun put to her head and wondering if she was going to die. She described brutality and suffering, but what not nearly killed her, she said, was the not knowing if she would make it out alive. I once flipped a motor home with seven people in it. It wasn't pretty. There were some pretty bad injuries involved. I came within a few feet of being crushed by a semi head on, it was just horrible. And if somebody had told me that that accident was going to happen, I probably would never have learned to drive. But they didn't tell me. And if I had known the ending, maybe I would have learned to drive in spite of knowing an accident was coming because even though there was suffering, we survived. And on the other side of suffering, we found 
new and abundant life. Jesus told the disciples they were gonna suffer. He told them he was going to Jerusalem and they were going to Jerusalem and that he was going to suffer and die. And he told them that they would be carrying crosses too. And they were terrified and they wanted to run out of the movie theater except that they weren't in a movie. This was real life. It's the moment in the story when the creepy music starts playing and you get that feeling of foreboding and Peter didn't like it one bit. So he clamped his hands over his ears and he told Jesus, I don't want to hear any more of that. You're the hero. You're supposed to be the hero. You absolutely cannot be allowed to die. But of course, that's what we always tell ourselves. The hero's safe, right? And Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Satan being the tempter. Stop focusing on human things like self-preservation and start focusing on heavenly things like God's plan to save the world. You know, following Jesus can be absolutely amazing. Some days, man, some days the sick are healed, the hungry are fed, and all the demons get cast out. But Jesus tells us there will also be days when we will suffer and be forced to carry a cross and face the reality of death. And we'd like to run away and hide, but we can't because we're invested. A sister is rushed to the hospital for emergency surgery. A friend's cancer has metastasized. We pass maybe a terrible accident on the highway. A child is missing. It's the not knowing, the worry that drives us insane. But what if, what if when the bad parts came, we already knew the ending? What if we knew everything would be all right and there would be no limits on life? I've had many opportunities to be with people who've had near-death experiences. One thing is consistent. After that experience, they are no longer afraid of anything. My father was not a religious man, but he had experienced death and lived to tell about it three times. The first time he died was when he was a small child and he had fallen into some water and drowned. And he actually drowned twice in his life. His body had no buoyancy at all. So it wasn't a matter of, of, not, of learning to swim. It's that swimming just didn't work for him. He would sink like a lead weight. He said, you think death is going to be unpleasant, but it was the most peaceful thing in the world. When they pulled him out, he was non-responsive and had to be revived. And he said he watched from a vantage point above his body and he said it took them a while and his mother was absolutely hysterical. You'd think the experience might've made him afraid of water. It certainly made his mother afraid of him being near water. But that brush with death had the opposite effect on my father. It freed him. 
He had glimpsed the other side, something beyond our worst fear, and it freed him to truly live his life. He never could swim, but he spent as much time as possible fishing, often alone, duck hunting, paddling his, paddling his john boat through the swamps with nothing but a wooden paddle and a cushion that would float if he could get to it. He took us and everybody water skiing, and the only time I ever saw him don a flotation device was when it was his turn to get in the water. He spent hours floating in our little backyard pool on an inner tube. Jesus told the disciples, it's going to be hell. Then he took them up on a mountain and gave them a glimpse of heaven. And once you've seen heaven, why would you be afraid of anything on earth? It was in the 90s. I had gone to the hospital to visit James. James was dying. He was 24 years old and terrified, anxious, afraid, worrying a lot about what was going to happen to his mother after his death. He was so thin, so weak, completely unable to eat anything. When I left the hospital that evening, I didn't think he had more than maybe a day left to live. But the next morning when I went in to check on him, <laughs> he was sitting up in bed laughing out loud and scarfing down a giant pepperoni pizza. Transfigured, he was filled, overflowing with irrepressible joy. His face radiated light. He said it was peaceful and beautiful and there was so much love. And he could see his mother, he said, and she was going to be all right. What had happened? Well, sometime during the night, he had died. He glimpsed heaven. He saw the glory of God. And then he had been revived. He was still sick. Five days later, he died again. But it wasn't the end. You see, he had already seen the end. And the end was life. There are people who haven't died, but who have the faith to live boldly as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus needs bold disciples, people who aren't afraid of worldly things because they're way too focused and busy with heavenly things. St. Valentine was one of those people. There are actually three saints named Valentine or Valentino, Valentinus is how it might have been said who died on February 14th. Or maybe there are just three different legends and accounts and they all reflect back to the same man. He was a priest, maybe a bishop, who lived in the mid third century, in the 200s in Rome, a time when the emperor Claudius Gothicus was actively persecuting Christians. In fact, it was illegal to help Christians Valentinus never stopped helping. He was bold in his Christ-like love. It was illegal in the Roman Empire to evangelize, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share your faith as a Christian with anyone, but Valentine never stopped telling the story. He was arrested, in fact, for sharing his Christian faith and sent to Emperor Claudius, who took a liking to Valentine. 
But then this is how bold he was. Valentine tried to, con to convince Emperor Claudius to adopt the Christian faith, to be baptized. And Claudius became angry and refused. I mean, after all, it was against the law. He told Valentine that either Valentine could renounce his own faith or he would be beaten with clubs and beheaded. Valentine refused and he was executed outside the Flaminian Gate on February 14, 269. Emperor Claudius had also decided that single men made better soldiers than married men, those with wives and families. So he outlawed marriage for young men. One legend says that Valentine defied the emperor and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. And when his actions were discovered, Claudius ordered him beaten and beheaded outside the Flaminian Gate on February the 14th. Another account says that while Valentine was imprisoned, he cured a young woman who was blind perhaps the daughter of his jailer. And she visited him daily after that and he became quite fond of her. So on the night before his execution, he wrote her a letter and he signed it from your Valentine. If we really wanna celebrate St. Valentine, we maybe won't do it with cards and chocolates and flowers as much as by living like he did with boldness and compassion and love and telling everybody about an amazing man named Jesus who told us, you know, it's gonna be hell and then took us up on a mountain and gave us a glimpse of heaven and the glory of God. We can see him now standing there transfigured before us his dusty brown tunic now radiating whiter than white. We can see Moses and Elijah standing there with him, representing all the law and the prophets. And then we're enveloped by a cloud of pure softness. You can feel it caressing your face, love and light. And a voice comes from the cloud. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And then it's over. And it's just Jesus and us on the road again, headed to Jerusalem, sharing God's love along the way. Some days are hell, but we aren't worried, no matter how much creepy music they may play. Because Jesus has shown us the end of the story. And once you've glimpsed heaven, what on earth is there to be afraid of? Amen.